0: Podcast. We can't thank you enough for checking in, taking in here, listening to the stats. Joey Fitzsimmons, co host. You got Joe Jr. running the show. Me,
1: I'm a man just trying to just rip up a couple freestyles just for you tuning in to Ran Out of Talent. But if you ever run out of talent, don't take no time, don't take anything, just get up on a journey
0: and talk. All right, we are here on a special Tuesday night episode with Matt Olson from Mod, Mod Media, MIP, uh, whatever else you know him from. How's it going tonight, Matt?
1: <laughs> oh, it's going awesome, man. Just traveled back from the PNWC, some mini Z uh world championship stuff that we were doing out at uh RCHQ. That was a lot of fun. Yes. And literally flew in last night. Um, went to my girlfriend's place, drove straight here and been trying to catch up on everything and also sleep. So right. but uh all is good. A lot of fun.
0: Well that's good. So that Mini Z Worlds look like a ton of fun. How many entries did they get? Is that a worlds where you have to qualify or you so just...
1: this is this is a lot like uh, Mini Z as well as probably fifth scale. I guess they're both on both ends of the spectrum. Right,
0: exact. They're not. <laughs> they're
1: not actually. You know, even the fifth scale worlds and the Mini Z worlds. It's actually the PNWC, which is the PN Racing World Cup. Right. People okay. consider it the worlds, so it's only that in name, and it's kind of become that for that. So you don't have to qualify. Basically, it's, right. it's only it in name. There's no governing body like IFMAR or ROAR or anything that's divvying down things for qualifications and different stuff. Um, so I guess on the two sides of the spectrum for both uh, 128 scale and 5th scale, they do not have a, uh, at least off-road and then on-road for that. They don't have a governing body that, that makes that so. Well,
0: not in America. In Europe, 5th scale is huge.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, they have a Euros for sure.
0: I watched um, most of the Euros because I have an office job now, so I was able to watch a lot of the fist scale Euros while I was doing my job. It was pretty cool.
1: It's pretty cool. They have full mechanics, but even there, like, the buggy classes are more, you know, prevalent. Yeah. And two-wheel drives more prevalent. Truck is kind of still like, it's kind of like the, uh, the red-headed stepchild, I think. Sure. versus america where it's i would say the most popular class oh absolutely so there's a there's a difference in in kind of what it what it is
0: right right um yeah so i had a bunch of questions i'm looking at my phone because that's where my questions are so i gotta ask everybody who comes onto this podcast because rc is so niche how did you get started in it personally
1: uh, long story short, um, my dad ended up taking me to the park. He had an old Yokomo, gotcha. um, uh, chain drive, four wheel drive <laughs> yes, and sir. with the really small tires Yep, and I would drive that in the park in grass. And I thought it was so cool. Cause like when you got, um, you know, RC cars from, Uh, Walmart or Target or whatever, you know, you couldn't take them apart. I thought it's so cool you could take the body clips off, the undercover, you know, the body, and everything was inside of it. And that, you know, as I was probably like seven or eight, that intrigued me. And I actually bought my brother's double XT, went to SoCal, and the rest is pretty much history. Um, I've it's been part of my life ever since. So, since I was about 10, I've been racing in some form
0: that's awesome yeah i've been doing it since i've been about six years old and you know i got started in similar ways my dad got me into it also started out with um a kiosha 112 scale nitro truck that had a saw pull to start it so you fed it in you pulled it all the way out and then you fed it in again and (laughs) yeah Ah, uh, Scott and Chad are tuning in, hey guys. How's it going? Those are some uh local. You might have met Chad in Muscatine, but you probably met a lot of guys in Muscatine.
1: Met a lot of people. I would I'm I'm terrible with names in all honesty. Um ah. uh no. I'm looking it up right now, Scott Schultz.
0: Scott Schultz who has a
1: picture of his mug on there.
0: No, you you wouldn't Scott Schultz, you know, him and his boy used to race back in the day, but Chad okay. jo- Chad Johnson was in oh, uh, here we
1: go. Yeah,
0: Chad Johnson was in Muscatine with his boy Xander. Xander does some pretty cool um FPV stuff for he he does what I do on like yes. a TikTok channel, but he does way more and he's way more committed. Like I'll do a FPV video from my fist scale, but he does something from every track he goes to. It's pretty cool.
1: Right on. Yeah, I probably met him out there. I just I'm I'm terrible with uh, well, I'm terrible with names.
0: Yeah, no, I'm the same way. And you were, you know, you know. Hey, do you ever get this? And I was talking about this earlier today. I always get not always. I'd say once or twice a year. Guys come up to me. I used to race with you and your dad back in 1994. Do you remember me? And it's like, ah, no, <laughs> that yeah. was like 30 years <laughs> ago, and I haven't seen you since.
1: Yeah, I get, I get it, and yeah. people are like, "Oh, I used to race with you," and I'm like, "Yes, we did." <laughs> yep, exactly. You know, it's like no, that's, I believe you because the easiest way. Yeah, you know, it could be true. It could be not true. They'll never know.
0: Exactly, <laughs> Bowman tuning in. Um yeah so you started racing when you were 10 and you know obviously you got the bug you started wrenching and all that how did you get into the industry like did you start at MIP
1: oh no I've I've been in the industry since um shoot it was my first job I worked at OCRC uh if that'd be considered industry oh absolutely uh i Uh, was one of the hobby shop guys that was there. That was my first job. Okay. Um, and so I was there for about a year and a half and then that was when it was actually gyro hobbies. Oh, gyro gyro hobbies was the hobby shop portion of OCRC and then OCRC was just the track and they would rent it. Yep. Um, when they had a changing of the guard from gyro to OCRC, um, they thinned the staff and everything and, and, um, my position was, was gone. Yeah. Um, and then I had friends that were there, and uh, Carl Hyman, uh, he worked at Extreme RC Magazine. That's the one that had all the chicks in yes. it. Yes. Uh, because there was a couple big magazines There was Driver, RC Car Action, and Extreme. Did Extreme do the
0: Triple X main videos?
1: Yeah, that was also part of it. Those and then were that, some of my Some favorite. of those guys went to Velocity, which is an online magazine, mm-hmm. which now has the Triple X main uh, guys. And then, um, so everything like that, but, um, yeah. So then I just was doing, uh, basically cleaning the back room. You know, they had a huge warehouse there with RC cars. I was building car kits. Um, this is when I was 17 or 18. Um, and I was making 10 bucks underneath the table, you know, for an hour. At first I started as I, uh, just interned for three months. My mom would drive me there. I didn't have a license at the time. Okay. Um, my mom would drive me there. Uh, she would go to like a local local uh, thrift store and help them out there. And I'd work for four hours for the day. So like three days a week. Okay. Uh, that happened for about three months. Then I ended up starting to drive myself. They ended up hiring me on for 40 bucks a day. And I was building car kits and eventually ended up where I started to go to college. They're like, hey, can you write? And then I was a contributing writer for them. I was starting to travel to go to events and cover events for them. Um, And then that led me into doing a full-page article for MIP, which was on their bypass system. And I went and met Brandon and Eustace at MIP, talked to them for a little bit. Um, And this was before the falling of of extreme yep. and extreme ended up little known to us, uh, all the workers, they had IRS problems. And yeah. basically I got a phone call from one of my coworkers. He's like, Hey dude, nobody want to tell you, but extreme is done. Um, <laughs> they had, they had IRS problems.
2: <laughs> and when
1: you come in, all your stuff is still there, but it's over. You don't have a job anymore. Yeah, And then, um, my boss at the time had called up Eustace and said, hey, you know, I know you met Matt. He's a special kid. Uh, if you guys need somebody, you know, you should give him a chance. So I went to interview there at MIP for just customer service, and they need somebody that could write. Yep. Um, and then ended up where I got hired uh, that day and to be their customer service guy. Later on, transferred into uh, driving for them as kind of their main um, – Promotions guy and marketing guy. Yep. Uh, as well as knowing kind of what you know what our capabilities were, helping with design, um, and then did a lot of that. transferring and being a team manager for that, and then worked there for seven years, seven eight years, and then MOD was kind of born out of out of MIP, you know, out of the yeah. ashes from a lot of their products that they ended up like the big scale right. stuff. I was gonna they, say- said they didn't want to do anymore. The puck stuff they didn't want to do anymore. And that was kinda of like a lot of what I had um my I had my hand in a lot of that stuff. And then uh so they said, well, if you wanna, you know, take it over and fund it, uh, we can still manufacture it for you. Yeah. And it kind of just evolved from there. And then the media came out of the fifth scale uh uh series that we do yeah. and and um yeah, it's kinda it's the ball's been rolling and it's getting faster.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hi to Chad and Sean and Holmberg and Fisher and Schultz and Wes and Choban. Best line of the episode. Every time I was called special as a kid, it wasn't a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Dwayne says, what's up, fellas? Uh, He needs puck puck system for uh, Schumacher's.
1: Yeah, we've uh, talking about one of my... Close team drivers. I can't say anything yet, but we my right. close team drivers, he's uh, he's possibly thinking about going there. So uh, I think we'll be doing so. I've been I've been kind of looking like we've had the AE and the TLR stuff yep. uh, for a while now, and there's always been that that and no offense against any company, but there's no. always been like that third tier company like yeah. Kyosho was at the time, um, like Schumacher is X Ray. Were, were you around r racing yeah,
0: were you around when schumacher was like the red-headed stepchild in the 90s like they were there and they were competitive but they were kind of always on that outside fringe
1: no i i didn't race as much in the 90s like uh, mine okay. was like in the 2000s gotcha. when i kind of first started Um, but I, I had always known it was there, but they were always known for like their AstroTurf, right? We don't race on that here in the States.
0: No, but back in, in, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I actually ran for them in my MIP days for a year. I was one of their main team. I was one of their team drivers here in the U S yeah. Um, but at the time they, they had like four, two wheels. Um, they had their four wheel was changing and everything was a lot different than um, then all kind of the U S stuff. And it was, uh, very, very good company. Very nice owners. Yeah. Uh, they were awesome. I did well with the four wheel drive. I took third behind, I think it was Cavalieri and Rivkin at the time. I okay. beat parts and I think, uh, Evans and yeah, you know, it was, it was a good car you know they're a lot of fun the two-wheel needed work Yeah, i think they've improved a lot over the last couple years they
0: have they they're no longer that fringe they have a very competitive platform in both two-wheel and four-wheel i heard their truck is pretty good too i'm not sure i haven't driven one but i've seen them and they they look pretty good going around the track
1: um Um, yeah i've i've heard they drive amazing uh the newer two-wheel is like this is like one of the best two wheels I've ever driven. Yeah. Um, and you know, Muzz over there, I've always contacted him, and you know, he's a wicked good dude. The Schumacher family and and everything that they're doing, and kind of the, they are racers. You know, they do a lot of racing stuff, and I'm about that. And um, you know, I'll, I'm probably going to get an LD2 okay. myself or LD3, an now, LD3, uh, yeah, and try it out. And uh, we'll we'll have some stuff for that. I think uh, probably hopefully beginning of next year is is kind of our goal
0: so I was sponsored Schumacher was like one of my first chassis sponsors um I had him in 2010 so they had the cat SV or no it's the cougar SV and the cat sX2 is what I had and at the time we were still racing on that medium grip loamy black dirt running double Ds and whatnot and the cougar the two-wheel just yes it didn't work but that cat sx2 was the best wheeler on the track at the time so it's like i had not the best two-wheel in the world to represent but i had the best wheeler but then um a guy in our area named andrew mowery he owns mmr racing you might know him i'm sure you know him because the mmr you know they sold your fg stuff all your fist scale they sold a ton of fist scale stuff back in the day and he actually tried getting back it didn't try he got back into it but then he sold it all again and all that junk um but andrew put down astroturf and i call i called Muzz. i'm like this was like in 2010 i had to wait I think I had to wait till late, late at night to call him. And he actually got excited. He goes, All right, Joe, here's what you're gonna do. I'm gonna send you these tires and these springs and all he got super excited. I put that cougar on the Astro Turf and it's like, Oh, I get it now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Muzz is no, always they, a super good dude.
1: Muzz, super good dude. Um but yeah, it's uh I think they've got something good. I think You know, Brock got on there. He's talented, yeah. Obviously, and I think what it's done is it's you know it's really show that those cars can be competitive on dirt. Yes. Um. Obviously, turf and carpet is starting to infiltrate the U.S. a lot more than what it did in the past. You know, I would say five years. Yeah. Starting to trend that way, um, because we're we're seeing that that shift now where. Um, that it's not, it's very difficult to have, you know, tracks with dirt in yeah. it and the humidity and all that that poses and the, the issues with, you know, um, just land and buildings and, and everything. And it's so easy to, to adjust turf and carpet and the jumps right. and it's clean and, yeah. you know, I, I get it, you know, I do, I love dirt myself. Um, but You know, it's one of those things where you see the trend.
0: I'll tell you Um, what, if I had the hobby Plex to race at, I would not even put a car on carpet. But I do love carpet also, but it's, it's one, you're right. And it's like every track in Minnesota, every dirt track has absolutely destroyed the HVAC system. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we used to, we used to run indoor nitro in a low ceiling place. It was actually pretty disgusting, back in like two thousand four to two thousand and six, and they left. And I heard horror stories as like forty thousand dollars to fix everything and all that. Speaking of though, so has that church taken over o- OCRC yet, or did they
1: just no? Oh, it, it ended up. There's, there's been different contradictory um, rumors for it, uh, but from what I know, it's now a warehouse. Oh. Um, so that can kind of tell you what that is, and, and basically, from what I hear, um, the original owner of the buildings that own that entire complex, the front, the rear, the church, the everything, yep. they... Uh, he was super cool with RB and Nick, and you know, loved yeah. them. They always paid their rent on time. Um, you know, they did their thing. Well, the old man was um, starting to well get older, and I think yeah. he either died or something happened. But his, at the end of the day, his son took it over, and his son ended up. Um, they didn't. He didn't like OCRC. Oh. and at the end of the day, okay. and um, and then the church people, they always had to. Uh, so I don't know if they were a scapegoat for it, um, but then the rumor was like, oh, well, the church, you know, they need more space as well as like that. The rumor had it at first that it was going to, um, you know, the church wants this property. They're going to pay me whatever I basically want for it. You know, so I'm going to rent to them. Okay. Well, they never even moved in there.
0: That's what you it were saying. Became, yeah.
1: It just became a warehouse. Yeah. So I
0: talked to you about um, it in May and you're yeah. like, yeah, they they're, it's still empty. I'm like, it's May and it's still empty. Huh?
1: Yeah. It Pretty much where I think it was just uh, it, at the time it would have just been like, oh, yeah, I've got a renter for this. You guys are out. And then they're like, "Well, we can't afford this because this it, this was like sixteen to twenty two grand a month, oh. like expensive." Oh yeah, oh yeah. So that's you know that's how much it was, and they were bumping their rent. Like I had heard it had gone from like sixteen to twenty, and they were going to pay it, and then it was like trying to go up to like twenty three or something like that. And they're like, "There's no way, dude." So they're so, intentionally
0: just trying to push you out.
1: Oh, they're just trying to push them out. So. Yeah. I, at first, it was like, well, the church was like, "Oh, we'll pay whatever you know you want," kind of a thing. Yep. And either it went that way, or the guy was like, "Hey, we just want these renters out because they kind of shared a parking lot," and um, and yeah, it, it sucks because it that really that really really hurt at the SoCal scene for um for dirt ten scale racing. Right. We have a couple. We got still, obviously, SDRC. Yep. Um, we have Coyote and we have um, Rain Man's in Bakersfield. Okay. So it's Bakersfield, Victorville, and San Diego, which still, but they're all within a one, and a half, one to two-and-a-half-hour radius Ooh. of kind of like everybody of us in SoCal. And we have some eight-scale tracks, and then actually our – Our local track, which is actually 30 seconds from Mod right now where I'm sitting at, it's called Huckleberry, okay, and it's at the Santa Ana River Lakes. And it's a little outdoor track that they only run electric 8-scale, short course, can run electric off-road, 10-scale, but it it really hasn't come back yet. Um, But we're going to be hopefully opening up a hobby shop here in the next couple months, and that's going to help facilitate that. And I actually run the club program down there on a weekly basis to, to help
0: that does um, help um
1: yeah so that's an anaheim
0: yeah before i get into my next question let's take care of some of the listener questions he goes what's the best fist scale track you guys race on so far um uh, my best is sean van dalen's track at ftr uh, what's yours
1: matt um there's just different areas of it right uh, from facility to track to you know what's fun i think probably one of the most fun tracks that i've been to now was was the east coast nationals yep um out at uh out at um rocky hill raceway that's in new hampshire chris was telling Um, me about that it was so much fun all the people were amazing and what really stood out for me there was the the um elevation changes like you would be you'd be climbing a hill, man, and you'd like shifting gears in your car
2: and like shooting up
1: this tabletop and you know, it was like a and and they ran it both directions. So they ran it one direction, then the other direction. So you'd come down and step down this thing and you'd be dropping down thirty feet. So you'd be like you know, coming down and so that was a lot of fun, um as far as the you know, for for a 5th scale track as of recent. Yeah. Um. Another one that was fun was Walton. Uh. That's up in Canada, but that's not really a designated Scale track. It was like a '50s track uh, for the Canadian Nationals. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then, um, another one I like is uh is uh, the dirt. We're going to be there actually in a week for my our finals for the Mod Championship finals. That's super fun. I like more technical tracks personally with the scales. Yeah, you got to
0: put a radio in Chase Ehrlich's hand.
1: Yes, yes, from uh, from racecraft. Yes, I think he would love it. Yeah. So yeah, and when eight scale guys they drive fist scale, they're like, "This is the most fun I've ever had driving a car." Like they're a ton of fun. Like when you get a good one. That's um, I, I got I think hooked that stigma.
0: I got hooked off of a box stock five T.
1: Yeah.
0: I've been racing for so many years, and nothing has ever hooked me like a fist scale
1: has. They are a ton of fun. You know, the people are really yeah. cool, but yeah, for like these guys, when they go out there and they've, people are always like, well, I've seen them and they just don't look that quick and this and that. But when you get one in your hands and like actually, and now job, we met it at silver state, yeah. you know, and you had, we're getting all the components at the time, like coming from like a box stock to like where you are now, Yeah, you know, oh, it's a yeah. total different thing. And like, I always made the comparison Mayfield, it came out to, during COVID, had yep. come out to one of the mod races at Fear Farm. Okay. Where the dirt used to be uh, for yes. the dirt Nitro Challenge back in the day. Um, now it's run by a fifth-scale club that's there. Um, and we had a, a mod race that was out there, and we had both fifth-scale and eighth-scale. And we usually now tie them all together. Yep. Uh, it's a fifth-scale event, but we have the local eighth-scales. We invite them along, and they like well, to yeah. check it out, and it's cool. We have a one-day event for just them. Cool. And... um. He was out there and Mayfield drove my car. He goes, dude, this thing has more steering than my Mugen at the time. <laughs> and he's like, this is ridiculous. And then just for comparison on that track alone, like Mayfield's time versus my time, I was a second and a half off for fast line. Yeah, yeah, you that's know? about so you can where you're see at. The, the speed difference, you know, is actually not that much in between eight scale and 5th scale, but because the size of them. They look smaller. If yeah. you don't bottleneck the cars, they're you know, in the corners, they're very, very quick. They are. You know, so um it's a ton of
0: fun. What I noticed is um, what I noticed is the rougher the tracks get, the more fun the fist scales are to where when oh, it easily. when the truck gets or when the track gets more rough with an A scale, it's like you're just battling the track and you're not but the fist scales like It was a landmine in Vegas, but the trucks handled it wonderfully, and it was so much fun.
1: They're so heavy, and the tires are so big, they create their own traction. Exactly. You know, so, um, yeah, they're a ton of fun. Silver State, Silver State, I would say that's my most fun event that we go to. So if, like, tracks, the other ones. Silver State, I love the tracks, don't get me wrong. But I love the event and being in Vegas and, you know, partying. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a whole event. It's a whole time. Like, like it. We're, at, we're in Vegas, we're having fun, but RC Racing, that's just the, the cherry on top. It
0: would be cool if we could do the fifth scale on the main track, but I get why we don't, because those trucks, I mean, it gets rough on the main A-scale track, but those trucks would really tear it up.
1: And it's one of those things where... The only things that the fifth scales do is they 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 beat up pipe sometimes. Yes. But even on when they had the little, you know, sandbags, we destroyed like two pipes. Yeah. You know, at the end of it, which isn't a lot at all. No. Um but what it is is the stigma. You're gonna have like a lot of eight scale guys and they may, you know, butcher me for this, but they complain a lot. Yeah. And and if they if they're not into it and they're not doing it. Then they're gonna be like, oh, they're gonna complain wholeheartedly that the fifth scales are messing everything up and right and the track and this and that. And there's just no need for, you know, the drama with it. And and I can understand it too. Like if you get a really good grouping of fifth scale guys that are really talented, you know, it could be different than um, kind of fifth scale guys that are just starting out that are more in the sportsman style level. Yeah. You know, so in that aspect I could agree with them on it but if you get a really good grouping out there um it could be a really cool dynamic but i understand why they don't do that that's why we have when we have the mod fifth scale series it's a fifth scale race but we have the eight scale guys coming right and they have a lot of fun because they going in they know that that's what's going on
0: right right so one thing our local complaint in minnesota is marshalling them and what I tell people, what I tell everybody, I said, nobody's going to get mad at you. Double check, look both ways, double check, go as slow as you need to go. Grab that truck however you're comfortable, nobody's going to touch the throttle. You know, I watched my son who just turned 12, Marshall won just fine. You know, it's like he wasn't quick about it, but if you crash with the fist scale, and this is what i learned in vegas if you crash it doesn't matter how fast you are you're out i mean yeah
1: it's not out out, there is um you were in a in a hyper focused area though like silver state brings out the best of the best yes you know and um you know there is there is time to battle back and catch back up but yeah that's in any form of racing right right uh you don't want to make make mistakes but yeah the Marshaling, it it doesn't scare, you know, um, many people. You just have to be cognizant of your surroundings, you know, and and also have a good announcer that's letting the drivers know, hey, watch out for this section, you know, stuff like that, to say, um, you know, uh, there's a car down or something like that, and then obviously be off the throttle, like you're saying.
0: But it's also so new in Minnesota, you know, Brian Bowman started it at Thunder Road, and then I kind of continued promoting it wherever, Uh, Kyle's wondering, so will Matt be running a Schumacher Stadium truck on loan from his current team guy?
1: I don't know. We will see. Yeah. I actually really like the – I'm running that Visions truck right now, the TLR Visions truck. It's like TLR, A-E – yep and velocity like that's i've got an ae front and rear end on the thing the velocity chassis for the tlr yeah tlr rear end for the four wheel it's an amalgamation of all sorts of stuff yeah ended up winning the series this year and uh i think i could have done better at the finals but yeah Uh, that was
0: such that was that had to have been like the most difficult group of stadium truck guys there were
1: and they were all like in all honesty they were everybody was clean yeah you know I just had terrible luck when third place flipped over, he started skidding, and I was like, oh, I'll check up, and then I was like going around it, and it slid into my truck, put me into the wall, and then I got off of him, clipped his wheel, and then I went down into a ditch. <laughs> I,
0: I, I, was oh, calling, I was calling that race on Mod, and Chris is in my ear running the camera, and he's swearing like, oh, gee, you know, it's like,
1: yeah, I see. Uh, it, was, it was just one of those things. Where it was a racing incident. yeah. The, Guy yeah. came to me after and he apologized and I'm like, dude, I'm like, and I pushed all the entire time to get back up to yeah. third. I think I think I had something for the wind, but yeah, absolutely. Um, it you just can't make a mistake in carpet like no, it's it's unreal. Um,
0: Especially it's unreal
1: like how one line carpet is. I think that's kind of the the complaint that some guys have. That, um, that with layout carpet and turf. Yeah. Yeah, it's because you can't, you know. Sorry.
0: No, I was going to say that layout was extremely fast too.
1: Oh, extremely fast! And I, you know, the Island Speedway that was an amazing facility. I I loved it. I loved the event. It was great. Hopefully, we, you know, we're going to go back there in twenty twenty four. We'll see. I know Jay yes. Concepts is still making some um, uh, some decisions on tracks and everything. Yep. But uh, the family was really nice. I had a lot of fun out there. Um, but just what I've noticed in, you know, in my three times, I've basically raced this surface, um, qualifying is so important, yep. um, because you got people that are just ice men out there and even if they're slower, you know, you got to pass them clean and sometimes you're checking up different stuff and, you know it's it's difficult um you know to make those passes where dirt you kind of got that little bit of slide you can get into the side of somebody and kind of rubbins racing i know yeah. rubbins racing on no. turf and carpet like you hit somebody they're going they're over flying yeah. it's almost guaranteed yeah
0: um bender checking in assat madison Osted all checking in awesome hey guys uh Jeremiah Lukussevic is wondering since you got hooked on the Midwest down in Iowa a month back, what are your chances your crew wants to come do a Minnesota Nitro series event? No, you know, that is a question. So on average, and, and you might want to not want to get into the dirty math on this, but what does it cost to bring mod media out to an event?
1: So general so that i have have been working on this though because
0: i know you have Before, deals with certain like with the ncts i know you have deals
1: yeah like the like the j concepts series we have we have a certain a certain um <laughs> deal you could say or a certain agreement where it's one flat fee yeah. for all the events that we do chris's answer um, food <laughs> yeah which is, uh, you know, one flat fee that we do for them and whether if it's more at some events or less for others, whether we're closer, we're flying, um, different places, it's just one flat fee and then it makes it easy for them to budget. Um, so we may make more on one event. We may make less on another, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, but we've come into a time now that shifted all in the last couple months of our crew yeah um and now we have what i'm calling like a tier one tier two tier three structure right so like tier one would be you know a general setup that would include basically myself and chris as he popped on uh he's our he's kind of our main cameraman um that's that's over the last year you know i've been taking him to all the races and Kind of the guy that I'm, like, okay, because he works for us full time. Yeah, I can count on him because I'm basically like, hey, dude, we're going here this weekend. And he's like, okay, you know, and and we're just able to do it. Um, so that'd be like tier one, which would be a a one man, a two man crew uh, that would consist of one camera guy because I used to do it all myself when I first started it. I remember um, that for Mod Live Media, and I would do everything. I would do the commentary. It was like. You ever see the, you know, the side street guy where he's playing, you know, the drums and the flute and and everything and it's one man band, you know, and it got to the point where I, I'm one of those people where I'm not satisfied with mediocre or, um, I always like constant improvement. I have, I've learned from one of my mentors that if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. And that's the same thing with like the media that we do. If I'm not getting better doing it, then why do it at all? Right. Um, as far as like for myself, because we don't make much money doing it. So I have fun doing it, but we still need to make money and I yes. want to create more value for the viewers. And I want to make us look professional so that hopefully maybe people in RC will. Uh and that's in RC, but as well as that's out of RC, like, oh, this is cool. I would like to get one of those and help grow the hobby. Like that's mod live media started because I wanted to grow the hobby. Right. Um, and that's kind of our mission statement with it. Yeah. And so once we did the world's coverage at hobby action, um, and I didn't know how that was gonna go. That was like a nine person crew. Yeah. And I think that really accelerated us to the forefront like we were already good but it was like okay these guys are legit
0: that was legitimately one of the best i've ever seen i want to say i want to say that it beat live rc in 2010 thailand and that was the best i saw up to that point John Bolton was wondering after the excellent world's coverage has the phone lit up more also, how was it tackling three events in one weekend?
1: Yeah. So, um, and we'll touch on what we were saying before to answer John's question. Yeah. Um, the phone. Yes. It's, it's, it's always constantly buzzing yeah. as far as like for events and different things. Um, I think it's more so now where now where I might be telling I might be saying now, okay, well, what level of coverage do you guys want? Because of the fact that now they've seen this, now people have expectations, right? Right. Like the world's coverage was an exponential amount of money to put on. Like mm-hmm. over ten grand. I'll, yeah. tell, I'll tell you that. Well, um you- because you've got nine people down there, food, travel flying people in, um, and we're there for a week and a half. How so many camera guys, guys say, did you have? We had three camera guys okay. and trading them out, Yep. you know, because it was, they were on it. We had, um, and then people would transfer out for, I was the main producer, but we would transfer out producers where I'd train them cause I needed a break. Yeah. Um, you know, and at even that number that we were at, I maybe made a thousand bucks. For the weekend, because all the equipment that we needed, I didn't budget it. I should have budgeted it more. Um, but it's an exponential amount of money because when you put this thing on, and you've got, you know, you're paying people, you're flying them in, you're paying for everybody's food, paying for the Airbnb. Um, you've got two weeks. You've got more equipment that you need for redundant systems. Um, it it was a huge undertaking and. It was the most – like, I don't really get nervous. Yeah. Um, I was nervous for for Worlds because it's one of those things where, like, you only get one shot, one opportunity, in the words of Eminem, um, that you have to do well. Like, you can't not do well in it. So I put a lot of weight on my shoulders as well as, you know, everybody that's there where we all expect excellence. But the guys we hired on, like Jason Bollinger, he just – he shot the world as well as he's been doing some J Concept stuff. Um, you'll see him at more events and he's, he's been my friend for years since my extreme days. And even before that I knew him and he does bar none, such good coverage with the photos and everything. And I saw that where we were doing, we've been good at the live coverage and I've wanted to bring in photography. I'm like, well, I'll get a camera, this and that. You just don't have the time. Like there's no time to do it. Yeah. And like, if I were to try and break away and do it. Um, and also have good live coverage. There's just, You just run out of people. And bringing him in and on and covering the event from both the photo side to the video side, you know, and kind of bringing those two together, I was very impressed with the analytics and the coverage of it. So that's why we're kind of going to this more tiered structure. So um, it just depends uh, on what that venue needs for that weekend. And what type of level of coverage that they want. Um, but generally speaking, you know, we have to get out there. We have to feed our crew money on top. Um, you know, we're not going to go go broke doing it. You right. Know, we still have bills to pay and everything
0: yes. like that. Absolutely. Uh, before I get into my next question, Brandon Van. Van Water is wondering, a while ago, Joe and Ryan talked about new adjustable valve shocks that were crazy expensive. Does anyone know what happened? I'm just going to answer it quick. I was going to say, um, Wally tried them and we never heard anything about them. So I think they were, I think for a scale, they just weren't it. So I have another MIP question because I've been doing this since, you know, I'm, old i'm 41 years old but i've been doing this since i was six years old so mip's been a part of my rc life my the whole time so when you were at mip did you see any rare like vintage prototypes like things that would make dirk anderson just lose his mind
1: um well there's always the famous what the four-wheel drive conversion have you seen what those are going for Ah uh, like what 3 grand now 4 grand?
0: I've seen 4 to 5 grand depending if they have like that green or pink chassis. They're going
1: There's uh there's an orange one that M, that Eustis has. Okay. And um and he's got he's got two or three of them that are in there. Um I don't know if that's Shane a retirement fund. So he's got he's got a couple of them in there but none of the other stuff actually exists. Okay. This is very um, when uses is done with a project uses is done with a project gotcha. and stuff will sit for a little bit if they have to reuse molds or something like that if not it gets scrapped and done yeah. you know anything old gets tossed so at the time how would you ever know like it'd be like the you know 1967 you know shelby mustang You know, you can pick those up for five grand in you know the '70s and '80s or whatever, and then they became a you know a cult favorite, right? Yeah, they blew up. Yeah, you don't know that they're going to be worth you know half a million dollars or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, so he didn't know to hermit away you know five thousand of these kits, you know, from back in the day in their original boxes. Like it's just it's one of those things. Project's done. You know, he didn't know it was going to be iconic, and that stuff is gone. And we've had other stuff where, you know, we prototype a bunch of stuff um, that just didn't work. Yeah. You know, stuff that, that we would do from drivetrain to different stuff, handmade stuff, where it just didn't work. So some of that stuff you just never see or it did work or is too, you know, expensive or complicated to make uh, production. So it would just never come to fruition. Um, but, yeah, there was a, a good example as the Pro 8. Uh, we had where it was that conversion kit where we had for the Pro 4 for the SCTE at the time that, you know, I kind of became known for, for the four wheel drive. Yes. And, you know, SCT. And then they kind of ended up, that was kind of the 2.0 later on. I was going to say, um,
0: didn't, wasn't that whole design taken for being nice about it?
1: It, I would say that they, they said at the time, I don't know, I'm not going to get into issues yeah. with it but basically you know they it was possible for what they did with the thing to go to that and I would say that just the performance package at the time proved that that was a good way to go with it if, yes. if that's the if that's the best way to do it because it is their car you know we flipped around the bones and it was a better layout and then they're like that shit's a better layout and yes. then they you know obviously that came to 2.0 whichever way you want to look at it I'm not going to you know, say anything horizons an awesome company. Yeah. Um, so it just is what it is. Well, I remember back
0: in the day that was the only truck that could compete with the techno.
1: Yeah. And it was amazing. And then we actually had the pro eight, which was used to say, Hey, we made like a super light eight scale. Um, and it had its inherent issues, but I actually had a custom made chassis that we had for that. And I still have it to this day and, and move the motor. Like everybody's going to the motor forward position. Yep now you know on the front left with the batteries i was doing that with the pro 8 i actually had a magazine with a team associated rc8 that i did for the magazine Cause okay. they all you know put the saddles in the back yes. and everything motor up front i yes. did that with an rc8 i we did it in a magazine so they're like oh this is the shit i like i had that done back in like
0: 2009 yeah <laughs> that's something awesome like, like
1: 2011 or something like that where i was like yeah i was bitching back then you know i uh, so I, I think I ran dual saddles. That's what I had on there. I had two two cells. Yeah, or all one cells, but they were saddle packs. To make oh, so
0: you were. And I had two jumpers. I had or, yep, I yeah. had
1: that. I had that in the back, and then I moved the motor up front, and then I moved the. You could like shave the inside, and I flipped the diffs around, so that then you didn't have to. You didn't have to shift the, the motor rotation inside your speed control. You could flip the diffs and then the diffs would make it go the other direction.
0: That's cool. That is cool. Yeah, I still
1: have that car. It's sitting in my room.
0: Yeah. Um, So we talked about how you got started with mod because MIP was kind of done with the scale stuff and all that other stuff. So um, did you have the ideas to make it grow past what you were doing with MIP scale stuff? Um or did that come later on, like did you have those ideas for like breaks and shocks and other stuff immediately or did you just start and kind of just super small ideas and build to something larger?
1: So what ended up happening is is and it's just it's all true. Um what ended up happening is is they were looking at the numbers and fifth scale was on the downturn. Oh yeah. Um you know, nobody was. You know, the tracks were all going away. This is in like 2017, 2018. Um, tracks are all going away. Yep. Um, and the we had already infiltrated the market. The stuff was already really good. And then it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's a it's a good point. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yes. You know, and the numbers are trending down. So like, okay, every time we do like a set of shock builds, it's twenty grand you know, yeah, to do a run absolutely. of Absolutely. 20 plus, it's 20 plus. And to do a run of them. So you have to look at it like, okay, what's my ROI on it? What, you know, is this going to, How do, I still, do we still have to send Matt out to make this, you know, and pay me to go out there to do it? Uh, so it has that cost. Um, and or have we made this platform the best that it can be? And now we're grasping at straws. Yep. So they were running the numbers and grantedly. So I agree with them when it was a 20 person company. Yes. But what if this could be done with a one to two to three person company? Yep. You know, so your overheads lower, um, you're able to, you know, you're able to do it where you don't have to, if you're the owner of it, then, you know, it it could make more sense. Um, so at the time for Fiscale, it was like my hobby. I really loved it, mm-hmm. and um, it ended up it ended up being where I said, you know, how about I just be ghost? I was I was just gonna fund it. Yep. And MIP was, you know, it'd still sell from the website. It would still, you know, it'd still be underneath their name. I had a full list of stuff, you know, from all the changes that needed to be made to the current product line um, that I sent to Eustace. And he basically, you know, he's like, no, sell all the stuff, get rid of it all. Yeah. You know, we're done. Yeah. You know, it's done. So yeah. I told him, you know, I had another meeting with him and I said, hey, you know, what do you think about me taking it over, you know, and doing that? he's like, that's an interesting idea. And um, and then it got, you know, after a couple email exchanges, it would have just been too convoluted with the money, yes. you know, um, for, like, how that would have worked out. So he just said, he's like, Matt, you're going to have to start your own company. Gotcha. And, and that's how it started, you know. And he's like, you're going to have to sell it yourself um, and do everything yourself. It can't be shipped through here, you know, nothing like that. You're going to have to ship it yourself. You're going to to do everything yourself because just the money didn't work out for, like, if it's an MIP, then you get this percentage. And it's just... You know, it's kind of one of those things where you have somebody and it's not making sense to be burdened with this, you know. Right, um, right. And I, I agree with him, you know, at the end of the day. And, you know, so, but it's one of those things where you have the infrastructure from the shipping people to website, everything's there, you know, they just have to click buy and then it's like Amazon and it goes out and it's turnkey, right? Yeah, I had to... I had to then do everything. I had to, you know, do the packaging. I had to, you know, create the website. I had to, you know, learn how to build a website. I didn't know how to do that before. Right. Um, I had to get my own header cards made. You know, just the plates for header cards are six hundred dollars. Absolutely. You know, to do a run of header cards is twenty five hundred bucks. Yes. The printer forums twenty five hundred dollars. Everything's twenty five hundred dollars. So I had to use and fund my own money. You know, and I didn't take. Alone loan from anybody. That's uh, good. My parents, my parents, uh, you know, obviously live with my parents, but, you know, still paid them uh, money, but I had to, you know, I had to fund everything myself. So I would take all the little sales I did get, you know, and automatically go back in to the business. I worked in, out of MIP's um, uh, shop for about a year um, until like basically it was about, I'd say halfway through the year, I was working for six months. I was still working as mod and mip. Okay. Mod mod became more mod. I don't say was successful, but it 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 required more time. I was working like sixteen hour days. When I would when I would be done with my mip shift, I would then basically put my mod cap on. Yeah. You know, and I would start working my mod shift you know, till one, two, three in the morning. And I had my little trailer outside the shop. So sometimes I'd go and sleep in there and then just go back into the shop in the morning because I'd have the keys and um, code and everything like that. So, um, and I was renting, you know, I would, you know, just be working both. And then it becomes something where you can't spend as much time on one. So both of them aren't getting fed, right? Um, So Eustis is like, well, what about if you just, you know, um, did mod full-time and gave yeah. it a chance. And so we agreed. So we able to come to a deal. I rented an office there for another six months. And then after that, I outgrew that. Um, and then I'm actually in the shop right now that I've had since. So okay. I've been self-employed for about four years. Mod Live Media got birthed out of the series. Yep. Yep. And then uh, I've got another shop that we now have up front. That's going to be the hobby shop. We just have to get the time to do it. Um, and yeah, so and it's uh, it's it's been a journey. You know, it's been it's been a journey for sure.
0: Yeah, we got a couple of good questions, but a lot of people don't understand. And I just got in this side of my job recently. I got you know I do quoting and customer service and dealing with vendors and all that. What a lot of people don't understand is that fine balance. So let's say I make you 100 widgets. That's going to cost you 1.8 per part. If I make you a 1,000, that's going to cost you one time. So that's what it actually costs if I make you the 1,000. If I make you 10,000, it's going to cost point. Eight. It's going to cost 80% of what each part would at 1000 But at what point are you stuck with way too much inventory and tooling costs and production hiccups and hangups and, you know, something's at a heat treater for too long. And, you know, a lot of people like um, Lance is wondering where your, uh, when T6.2 outdrives will be back in stock. I bet they're stuck at the anodizers They're anodizers are always very fast or very slow. I've learned
1: you uh, it's funny that you actually sway, say that. I swear to God, I was, I just got off the phone three hours ago um, with uh, our head engineer at MIP. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to him about projects. We have a, we have a new, that, that axle that I was showing you. Yep. Um, uh, at, island you know we I was talking to him about about some design changes that I'd like to make and different stuff and we're going through projects and you know and today he just told me that our anodizer that we have he goes yeah we're looking for a new anodizer I won't say their name yeah um but and I'm like oh did they screw something up and he's like yeah and I'm like did they screw something up for both you and I and he's like yeah. Oh. So those out drives that they're making right now, that I'm waiting on that to complete T6 stuff. Yeah. Um, and the B6 stuff and everything for the puck systems for gear diffs. He, we had twelve. I had twelve hundred of yeah. those out made. Right. He said that maybe half of them will be okay. Because Did they mess they messed up? them up? And they tried to fix it and they tried to strip them Mm -mm. and they're hard anodized you can't strip hard anodized it changes the tolerances and when you have those bearing tolerances that we need it messes them up so some of them are good and some of them are not good so they're having to go through and 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 go through every single piece Of the twelve hundred, yep, to make sure that they're good. So some are good, and some are three thousandths too small. Yeah, so go and they'll wiggle inside the outdrive. Right? Do you know? Like a lot of yeah, yeah, it's it sucks.
0: (laughs) I was gonna say, do you know? Often we have guys at my shop sitting there going through thousands of parts with the caliper and a mic, being like bad, good, bad. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's it's just one of those things with manufacturing. It is, and then. We've got a lot of parts, too, sometimes that are just sitting in debt or you're able to repurpose them from stuff later on. And, you know, and, um, yeah, manufacturing issues and COVID hit and the prices are jacked and you have inflation. And then people are like, why is stuff so expensive? And it's like, because everything's more expensive. Yeah. Oh, you You should see.
0: Well, I've lowered a couple people's prices from just whatever hot rolled, steeled, whatever. They are shocked. I'm, oh, it's yeah. like, I'm like five, ten Nothing... 10% cheaper apart. And they're like, oh my God, you're lowering a price. It's like, well, yeah, material costs have come down slightly, you know, that yeah. type of thing.
1: And it's for raw goods. That's really good, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that can be, and that's pretty, you're able to, to control that a lot more, but you know, when you're going to it for like employees pay and electric and, yes. you know, rent and you know, gas and everything else. Um, It's just, it's crazy how stuff. But we try and also keep uh, to those, you know, lower prices, you know, that we're able to do. But, you know, it just is what it is at the end of the day to create stuff here in the U.S. Um, As well as we don't, for mod, it's one of those things where, like, if it doesn't pass our you know, satisfactory, you know, levels. And if this is something that I wouldn't purchase myself, um, we don't sell it to the consumer. So right. we'll test and test and test. And if something isn't right, like we won't just produce it and just like, oh, let me get your money. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where like, you know, we put, you know, we put our name on it. I put my name on it and it's something that we stand behind. And then we have very good um you know warranties and customer service with stuff so and we always try and help you know the customer at the end of the day but knowing that when it goes out the door this is something that i would put in my personal race rig yeah. you know to go out on a weekend
0: yep so, and and the companies you sp- um partner with also have great customer service too like i've dealt with um nsdrc you guys do servos with them greatest yep, guys yep. in the world
1: yeah he's been awesome you know and I was looking for a servo for a long time, in all honesty, you know, and I was testing stuff, testing stuff, and it wasn't right. It wasn't right. Yep. These guys came along, I ran their stuff, and I'm like, it's pretty sucking good, dude. Yeah. Like, they're strong, they're doing what they need to do. Um, so I was hitting them up, and I was like, hey, you, you know, would you like to work a deal? And you know, and uh, he was all about it. So, you know, now we have a, a personalized one that we do. And I think we're the only ones with that. You know, because we're kind of the main, you know, racing fifth scale, yeah. you know, pro shop type of thing. Like we're really well known for that. So, you're but, always uh, the first a
0: webpage thing. I go to. Always. Yeah. And even before oh, I, I was on that. the team. Yes. Um, yes. I, Joey's, uh, our, but my co-host is, hey, Joey, had to work tonight. We usually do the show on a Sunday night. He works uh, night shift at um, Cummins.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, yeah, he had to work. I'm like, dude, you're going to miss it. He's like, I know. Him and I are going to do an episode all about Oval on Sunday. He's got me going down that dang rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I, I tried one last week. I'm like, it's fun, but it didn't hook me the same way as, like, fist scale. It hooked me about the same yeah. same as like mini truggy did. It's like, eh, it's something to do on my off Saturdays.
1: Yeah, I've i driven some oval. Um I think it's more fun with more people. It you is. You know, if you do it by yourself, I think it's kinda of yeah. boring.
0: I'm racing uh, in the biggest class.
1: But if there's like a lot of people around you, I'm like that's it's it's pretty cool. And I actually yeah. raced uh I ran the the one twenty eight scale pan car okay out there and um i thought they were always just minisies yeah you know with the little AAA batteries these things are full scaled down on-road cars two-wheel drive most mostly because everything you know in sedan is all everything else is four-wheel drive these yep. things are two-wheel drive and they're on crack yeah you know and it's like full ceramic bearings tungsten plates you know brass this and that and i'm like little tiny tires and you know i'm seeing like the cost of this and i'm like this is pretty cool and i it ran is. it and i'm like yeah i'm like this is really bitching and we actually took some box stocks out we had a mod race yep. um uh with all the crew that for the the live and ran those around and i had a big smile on my face and i had a lot of fun i'm like you know what i'm going to get one of these things because huckleberry where i announced that they have a little track right yeah. there so i'm like oh, well i mean we need to get something going with this and it was a lot of fun, so I think okay. I, I might be getting a car or two, you know. Uh, we'll see, just to, just to play around with.
0: The cool yeah. thing about Mini-Z is if your buddy has a big basement and he's got 20 guys over anyways drinking beer on a Saturday night, you got to race.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's no, it's it's really cool, and I think it's cost-effective, affordable racing. So, That's what they were kind of, like, pushing yes. out there. And from their tires being like, you know, five or ten bucks a pair. That's not bad. Um, you know the, you know the, the, some of the cars out there, two, two hundred bucks or something to kind of get started. Like an RTR is one hundred and eighty bucks, but you know you can get into one of those cars for probably like five, six hundred bucks to be really competitive. Right. Um, and it's racing. Yeah. You know, it's 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 full on, and um, and you could set them up pretty much anywhere, and the transponders are like twenty five dollars. That's and, cool.
0: Is it the um, infrared transponders?
1: Yeah, infrared gotcha. easy lap. Uh, yep. I wish they were on AMB because I saw a lot of mistakes. Yeah, um,
0: they got to be so right I, in that windshield.
1: Yeah, so they there's that inherent issue. Like I think Mylaps has an opportunity um, if they created a smaller transponder because like the the normal Mylaps now those yeah. are too big. Really? You know, they have to. They have to get something ha- at least. One third the size oh, wow. of the current transponder to, to make it possible and like and draw that community in, which I think if they know about it, it I think it's, it's possible, you know, it's possible because then you'd kind of r- get away from that issue of the of the infrared. Um, yes. issue yeah and yeah so.
0: i've dealt with infrared in the past too it you know local clubs that didn't have the money for the my lap system they ran the infrared and we used it and we had very like torot used to race at that club stuff like that but those transponders yeah you're right they are just not it. Um, I got a couple more listener questions, and then I yes. ha, then I have to hit an ad, and then I'm hoping to have you for another question or two. I, okay. I you're a super busy guy, and I don't want to keep you for too long.
1: Actually, I'm going to take my my mom out to dinner tonight. She's been oh. uh, she's been she's been wanting me to like hey you know can we go to dinner sometime? Yeah. I feel Val like yes we need to you know I'm going to take you, you out to, to, to dinner so yeah we're going to uh. do a two for two for chili so love nice. my mom she, she's amazing she helps me out a lot so. heck yeah
0: uh john bolton's time. wondering how's your racing program with all that you have going on any thoughts of quitting racing and doing the business only
1: you know john um it's like eustace uh said to me one time are you working or are you playing you know and that was kind of like you know something he drilled into me and it's tough to, um, for me now, now that I'm self-employed, I have much more respect for that saying. And I think that the work does come first, but there can always be play. Um, and luckily for me, I, I don't, I'm not personally able to like have enough time to build my own cars and, 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 you know, go down on a, you know, on a Tuesday night club race or something or, or something like that, that where I have to focus to go out there anymore. But I am able to still, um, like my fifth scale rigs, they're still, you know, up to date. They're fresh. Yes. And now we have a new mod pro builds done by Jake McGarvey and he worked on all the Wolfpack rigs. So I had him, you know, I gave him my cars. We offer that service now. And so he prepped them all. Um, I would be running them, and I would keep them up, but they would always just be, like, you know, good enough to run. These right. things are good. But they didn't have fresh oils, you know. Everything wasn't tight and fit, you know. I was like, ah, oh, this is sloppy. I don't care. It's still running. Yep. Um, I gave it to him to say, hey, I need this thing refreshed. I need it cleaned. I need it done, you know. um, And I, I don't trust anybody with my rigs, and I trust him. So I'm still able to race, and I can get, like – my employees and and buddies, you know, yeah. Jason and Chris, where they're able to then help me out and go and do something where I'm like, hey, this thing broke, take the yeah. car and, you know, work on it. I need you to, you know, replace this arm I need you to make this setup change. Um, so I think it's become where I've had to basically employ people um, to keep my race program going well, and or help. And then Sammy also, you know, lent me his truck Um, and he would work on it. I would go out there. I'd glue some tires and make some setup changes while I was there. But, you know, it, I still love to race. I do. I'm a racer at heart. Um, but the work comes first because everybody relies on that. Jason and Chris rely on it, you know, uh, (coughs) to, you know, pay them and pay everything else and, you know, keep mod going. So that's, that's my, um, that's my main goal at the end of the day, but I still love racing.
0: Yep. So, Mod's a three man band. I forgot you have Chris and Jason also working for you too.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah. So, Jason. Jason works with me in the shop. He's yep. usually here full time. Um, the the only times that he realistically uh, goes other places is where we need him for fifth scale events um, yep. because it takes so many people to do that. Yes. As well as you know some coverage events here and there. Um, other than that, he won't be in the shop. And if not, he's in the shop filling your day to day orders and everything like that. And then Chris, Chris is, he subs in and out. Chris will, um, he's either on the road with me or he's, he's basically at the shop and he he'll come in and help us on our off weeks Okay. um, to kind of help out Jason and get us caught up on different stuff. And then I kind of filter, I filter in here and going to MIP and checking on stuff, I'm out, you know, and I'm kind of a little bit everywhere, uh, making sure stuff happens.
0: Right. So I'm actually wondering this too. Jeremiah is wondering with you Frankensteining cars together, having access to tooling and being able to run your own prototypes, is there any chance you'd want to produce a car of your own someday? That's a tough one, isn't it?
1: It would have to be the right market that you could do. And probably fifth scale would be it for yeah. us. Um, because you have to have the name in it, right? Yes. And you have to know, like, okay, this is this is what's worked. And can you do this all in one package and produce it all yourself? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. Um, and it's a lot of money. Yes. And I that's one of my things is, is I really don't have any debt. Um, you know, I've got good debt as far as like mortgage payments and stuff like that, but you know, I don't have any school debt or I don't have any debt. Like once we do a run of something, I pay it off. Um, you know, I own everything and I don't take loans out. Um, I don't have credit card bills. Um, you know, I don't like owing anybody any, any money or anything like that. And so I think, in a way, that might hurt us, um, but in a way, whenever I try and make really, really big moves really fast um, and overstep and overreach, it always seems to bite me. I've, right. done it, I've done it a couple times, and it's bit me every time I do that. So I, I take the slow route now where small building blocks, you know, of, of building something up, and, and that's worked out better for me than trying to make quick money really fast or try and rush a job. Uh, that's bitten me every time so yeah. i'm just not good at that <laughs> well
0: some people don't know how much it costs to tool an entire vehicle too and if a mold it's, is wrong or if it, it's i don't
1: lot. know what it i don't know what it is now it used to but be about a
0: mil and a half
1: it's about yeah it's about 250 to six hundred thousand dollars. yeah because uh, i remember that i know and that yeah. that could be old numbers
0: yeah well i remember uh, when o'donnell i want to say o'donnell tried tried buying because remember when o'donnell had his a scale buggy is actually a legit car um he tried buying his own molds and tooling and all that junk back from the company that was making it and they literally gave him a pr- it was a price tag of a million dollars but that was that could have been an angry price if that makes sense
1: yeah an fu price kind of
0: thing yeah because you know i can over inflate tools all day long myself um before we get to the end of the episode i'd like to thank this episode's sponsor party crashers oh you'd like this one matt he's out there growing the rc market um party crashers uh brings off-road fun to you they go to Forty different community ed events. Um, he does privates, birthdays. He wants to do a wedding <laughs> for RC. Um, he's done. I've gone to like fundraiser events. Uh, he goes. We will be doing some ice racing this winter. So get a hold of him. Besides I've ten, done that. yeah. He goes besides our uh, ten scale tracks. We offer 128 scale associated short course trucks. And if you have super limited space, and I've driven these before, they're pretty cool. He's got 176 scale micro RCs and a track to rent whenever you want for a fa- family gathering or party. So go check out uh, Party Crashers on Facebook or go to www.partycrashersrc.com for upcoming events and information on rentals.
1: Very cool. That's awesome. Get more people into it. And I've actually done racing on ice. Yeah. It was a Canadian uh, St. Paul in, it was in St. Paul in, Canada. Okay. We were racing in a, um, uh, where was it? It was a uh, baseball field. They yeah, had a little Zamboni out there and everything. You can look it up if you go on YouTube yeah. and look up. Uh, uh spin on ice that's what it was called so on ice one fifth scale that was that was super cool he does ice cutters and everything it was cool
0: he makes his own wheels that are pretty successful i never made it out last winter he they race out on a lake so it's it's
1: nuts yeah it's super cool
0: yeah it's it's a minnesota canada thing you know we're not we should be more afraid of the ice but we are not (laughs) um let's see here okay so can we talk about any new releases for the fist scale coming up i don't want to say too much
1: we have stuff in the works um for uh, i don't want to i don't want to mention too much we've got okay. stuff in the works So right on there is stuff in the works that
0: sounds good um personal question um did you have an issue with the anodizers with the shocks? I was just wondering because they were out of stock.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's not an issue. That's that's one of those things where I it, it's so much money to do to do shocks. Like it's a yes, lot of money. It is. Uh, it's our most expensive project to undertake. And I have right now sitting up in the rafters over here, uh, probably about six or seven hundred springs. Of each of the springs that you get. Because I had to make a run of them. So yeah. I had to make a run of I think fifteen thousand dollars worth of springs. Yep. Um and that made us basically three runs. So I, I I went through one run, so I think I have two more two more runs of, you know, at least before I'm gonna have to make springs again. Yeah. Uh, so I made that investment, you know, a year and a half ago and it's just sitting up in the rafters. Yep. Um and I always like to do something new and fresh for every you know iteration of the shocks okay um and they're really good now like they're really good now you're on version 4
0: right now right
1: version 4.5 4.5 oh so 4.5 and okay. that's current um I think the and a lot of the stuff was some cap changes that we did. There was very minimal changes from 4 to 5. Yep. I think we're still going to be on a version 4.5 because they are so good. But I think we're going to have, uh, this time, speaking of anodizers, we're going to do certain colors okay. uh, for the bodies. Yep. So the bodies will be different colors um, so people can personalize and stuff like that. But other than that, I don't think that they're going to change much. Um a version five would be far out from what I could see. Yeah. Um, but a version four point five, I think that's more personalized because uh, everybody likes colors and they like to, you know, get all oh, this would be perfect. So probably a limited edition run of that kind of stuff will be will be what we do for for that, and um, that will be the next iteration.
0: Well, I'm excited to get some myself because I've never felt shock fade until you're out there for about 10 to 12 minutes and then it's like huh my truck feels like the oil all of a sudden feels very thin it's like
1: yeah and and it does it uh it just starts to fatigue the the stock shocks are fine like you said for 10 minutes 8 to 10 and then you just start blowing through the pack it starts getting worse you know and you'd see that where you know, guys would be on pace with you, you know, whatever. But when you got the mod shocks on there, it's just in the longer mains, your car feels the same, you yep. know, and it doesn't fatigue. So, and, um, yeah, it's, it's an advantage.
0: So can we get back to mod media for a couple more things?
1: Okay, no problem.
0: Uh, John Bolton, he's wondering, how close are you to full TV coverage? Let's say X Network wants to show Aurora Nats. Could you do it?
1: So full T V coverage. I don't know how they hook into that. Okay. Um I I don't even know of the tech in all honesty. I I'm not, you know, uh I'm not up on up on that. Like if they're streaming it live, yep. if they're taking that and they're saying, Okay, we're gonna play this later, like for instance live RC has a deal with, I believe, Mav TV. Yep. Um, where they make like a like a video for them, or you know, a, a TV show. Yep. Um, so it would be one of those things where I don't know how they would like to do it. It'd probably be on that status, you know, yeah. of here's a refined thing. Do you think this is entertaining, you know, and present that to them, right? Um. You know, rather than you know, NFL live footballs on today, you know, and now it's RC you can't, racing, yeah, you know, and we're doing the whole live thing. I don't know if we're at that point, point. Um, and I don't even have the the tech or the contacts that would even, you know, I don't even know where don't, to start. Um, you, nor have I tried. I guess
0: I was going to say, you kind of have a little bit of contacts because you did Battle Bots. Are you still doing Battle Bots?
1: Yep, I'm the driver of Lucky on BattleBots on Discovery Channel. Yes. Um. So do you have contacts there? But, like, for instance, with that, even so, um, there's no, like, they've got a live show that they do that's behind closed doors that's yep. not broadcast out to anybody.
0: Right. And, and they, they bring
1: in people that are paid, and that's called Destructathon. thon You can get tickets in Vegas okay. and do everything like that. But for even the show that you see on Discovery Channel, we shot that back in October yes. of last year. Yes. And to yeah. put it in perspective for you and everybody else out there, the production to make that happen is a hundred thousand dollars an hour.
0: Yep. I so, I, I and kind we shoot for get two that. weeks. Oh wow. So you so shoot for two weeks straight, then they edit and release episode by episode.
1: Correct. So yep. we shoot for two weeks straight. There's generally one or two down days yep. that people can go and explore or work on the bot, and you have to have your stuff ready to go, back up and going, um, and. That sounds and, like high uh, pressure. <laughs> it's 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 a team. It's yeah. a team of you know, anywhere from three to 10 people, each person has their own kind of job or what they do. Um, and the, the production of it, you have to have, you know, a theme and you have to create, you know, and as well as you have to perform like,
0: yeah. Oh in yeah. The last
1: two years, lucky, lucky has, um, you know, we've progressed a lot on the driving side, um, to kind of like we were, uh, you know, we're still, I would say, a, a an underdog for, you know, kind of the technology okay. that we currently have in it. But we're upgrading him. But we, you know, you have to be competitive still. Yes. You have to make good TV. If you're not making good TV at the end of the day, um, which is what Lucky wasn't really doing so much for the last couple seasons. But yep. now we are. Okay. Um, because then you're able to stay in because people want that slot. Yep. right. There's only like 60 teams.
0: Hey, so, a uh, personal question I have: Have you met? Sorry Ke- if
1: I'm out here for, for a second.
0: No, you're fine. You're just uh, frozen. There you are. All right.
1: Have My you- mom is contacting me. She wants to go out to eat.
0: <laughs> All right. I only got a couple more questions. Let
1: me see here. Uh, I'm gonna call her heading. Let no,
0: you're see. fine. Second. There's one one question about BattleBots and uh, one question about. Um, mod media i got and uh one more um listener question i think quick question about um battle bots have you met kenny florian
1: yes i have
0: he was one of my all-time favorite fighters and he was on he used to do analyst work for um fox sports when the ufc was on fox sports and then when they got the espn deal he got iced out and i was so bummed
1: oh uh, uh yeah it's super cool guy very friendly um little shorter than i thought he yeah be, but he's like He's a, he's a burly dude, dude. you know, so he, he's very cool. And, and, uh, everybody's cool there at BattleBots. Like, I,
0: I want to say um, he fought from 185 pounds all the way to the end of his career. He was trying to make 145 pounds. Yeah. And yeah. So those guys are it's, nuts.
1: Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. So, but it's, it's a ton of fun, you know, and, um, uh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's an experience. You don't get paid, well, at least the the rest of the team, the the um the main head captain, he gets some money. Yep. Um, for keeping it up, but I've gone in there sometimes and I've gone through 8 grand to 10 grand worth of stuff in 3 minutes. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. You know. Because everything's custom, you can't go yeah. to your local hobby shop and get this part for Lucky. No, like all the chassis are,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: everything CNC cut and then aluminum welded. Each chassis is like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, for Lucky, Absolutely. and that's like at homey hookup price. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's expensive. Uh, a lot of titanium armor, AR five hundred armor. Yes. Um, pneumatics. It's it's a lot.
0: Yes. Ah, uh, James Rodriguez is wondering. There's a huge oval market needing attention, especially dirt oval. Have you looked into that at all, or is that are you just so more fifth scale and pucks? And- it's
1: on, it's on my radar right now for um, n- nothing really dirt oval fifth scale, uh, but dirt over ten scale. That's on my, that's on my, uh, hopefully in 2024, we're going to be, um, doing some stuff for the oval market. Ooh, Kyle's got, to. Kyle's
0: got a question. Does discovery own all the bots and you get a set allowance to make upgrades to the bots or does every team own their own bot?
1: So, um, the, the teams own their own bot um you get monies once you pass tech inspection okay and you're guaranteed x amount of fights and they give you monies per fight right okay that makes sense that makes a lot of sense it offset it's a percentage of what you actually spend all right you're not going to go into it making money no even the winner that gets 50 grand or whatever it is that's probably what you spent to be there
0: yeah you know um I don't know if you are aware of tractor pulling, but um, I was drinking with a dude one night and he knew a guy and we ended up actually talking to that guy who was a national tractor pulling champion. And he'd win like at the main championships, 150 grand or whatever it was. And that would all, every single penny go back into his rig.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's not a moneymaker. No. And that's kinda like one of the that's one of the issues that's in that community right now. Yep. You know, with, with some of the stuff where, you know, they're fighting for, you know, where where they have more and it's been better, I guess, this last year. It's gotten a lot better, you know, for the bot builders, but it's the production and the union stuff and just everything. And I don't know all the inner workings of it. Yep. I just know that the main Um, Trey is the main guy, him and his, and his cousin, um, uh, have started BattleBots with Comedy Central and everything. Yep. And his dad is like a billionaire. Oh yeah. And he owns like half the Kings. He owns like a hotel in Vegas. Um, you saw him, not saying that Trey isn't good off on his own, but he's got you know good financial backing. There's nothing you know, wrong make, with to backing. To make it happen.
0: Yeah, there's nothing know? wrong. We we need one of those guys in RC racing.
1: Yeah, Here. no, that's for sure. We need uh, we need people to be able to buy the buildings that they're putting RC tracks in. Like that's the if you look at every common denominator that it is for these ten scale tracks going away. It's because they don't own the property. I think there was one like Swifties RC or something yeah. uh, that just went away. And uh, the they sold the building, and then it goes to some new owner, and they jack up the price, and it's just not possible to make it with our industry. And it's like, dude, well, so well they need to own the building.
0: Yes, that's how um, drone racing got big because the owner of the Miami Dolphins absolutely loved it, and they let them race in the stadium. Yeah. So um, – one more or two more questions here. Um, are you able to talk about any software yet for uh, Mod Media? We
1: software for oh oh yes. So the um, the stuff that we use for the um, for our overlays and everything like that. Yep, is uh, it's in combination and in partnership with. RCGTiming.com and RCGarage.info. I love RCGarage. Yes. So go on there and claim your profile. Everybody that's watching this right now, go and look up your name on RCGarage.info, claim your profile. Yeah. And that has all your analytics from whenever you've been racing RC cars for like the past eight years. Yes. Um, Mm. And with that information, as well as the partnership that we have, um, we have been able to try and take the coverage to that next level that's why you see all the profile pictures popping up now the livery of the cars and that really you know we've been working together for a little bit now and um we really popped it off and kind of showed the world at the world's you know what it's capable of oh it was Um, it
0: was really nice
1: yeah and that was its own timing and everything it's world level championship timing and scoring and everything yes you could even get it for your local track
0: that yeah i was going to ask about that because i i tried um a prototype of it in vegas and it's like you were starting races with your cell phone i'm like oh my god yeah yeah
1: so it's 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 something cool and we're we're constantly working on it so um but yeah it's it's available for for tracks now I'm not going to say that it's perfect. Uh, There's a little uh, bugs here and there, um, but it is very, very good.
0: Competition breeds the best of everything, so I'm glad you're doing something out there. Uh, One more question. We'll end it on a listener question. Lynn is wondering, how strong of a servo does it take to survive a BattleBot?
1: There are no servos, realistically, in BattleBots. Everything is everything's tank steer or everything's motorized
0: gotcha gotcha because so, for a while no
1: no real servos there's nothing there's well they don't have a bell crank system okay it's all tank steer so it just moves you know yep. one wheels faster than the other wheel
0: yeah that's cool that's cool so there's like no like on some of the bots where there's like a saw that comes down is that more of a hydraulic thing
1: that'll be even like a motor Gotcha. You know that they that it spins one way, spins the spins back. Gotcha. You know. I guess you could consider that a servo. I don't know, yeah. but it's there's no like a whole bunch of gear sets in there. Yeah, doing left and right and adjusting. You know, it's it's not like that. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Matt, I could keep you for another hour, but you have to take your mom to dinner, and I, I have to. I
1: do. She's she just messaged me, so yes. I'm like, oh, I like, call her and say, hey, we're yes. going. Yes. I have That's to like go I'm to driving. bed.
0: I really appreciate your time, and I really want you on again. So, yeah, thank you Let's for coming it. on tonight. And, um, yeah, have a great you know, rest of 2023 racing, and we'll definitely talk again soon.
1: We'll be talking, buddy. You guys have a good night. Have a See good night. Later. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for all the support.
0: Yeah, bye.